0: Welcome everyone to the Nick's Infinite Playlist podcast, a show where we always talk about something because something's always on. I'm your host, Nick Hogan, and with me this week is a very special guest, Brianna Martinez. Brianna and I write together at Telltale TV. Uh, Brianna, why don't you introduce yourself to the people?
1: Hello, people. I'm Brianna. Um, I'm a writer at Telltale, uh, JD, and chronic TV fan.
0: That's awesome. So, um, so you have a, a JD, a Juris Doctorate. Is that right? Yes. Um, do you do anything with that? Do you like teach classes um, or, or are you an attorney or? Uh,
1: hoping to become one soon. Okay. Uh, took the test. So.
0: Cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I have a few friends that are JDs that, uh, some of them are, they choose to go to the college professor route after they get done. Um,
1: it's, it's a solid, a solid route. If you, yeah. if, if you love the law, but don't want to practice it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, one of my friends is a, a criminal justice professor and, uh, and, you know, I've seen a lot of people do a lot of different things with it. So I just think it's cool. Uh, I don't know a lot of JDs, but I know a few and they all seem to be doing different things. So,
1: yes, it's, it's, it's a very utilitarian kind of degree where you can do everything <laughs> from like charity, uh, you know, working for charity organizations or mm. policy teaching it's, it's the degree that keeps on giving
0: awesome so uh so that's great so um so you and I write together at telltale and you cover arrow or covered arrow when it was on was that right yes I did great um so we can't we have to talk about that because you covered it so um they just finished their their last season ever of arrow um, after eight seasons, it's it's over. Uh, so so, what did you think of the last season?
1: Um, so it was a bit of a roller coaster ride because <laughs> I had a lot of thoughts, and I still do. <laughs> and it's been off the air for about two months, so I still think about everything that season eight offered. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, ultimately, they had told us that season seven basically wrapped up everything Arrow was for mm-hmm. us. And then season eight was basically kind of just icing on the cake in a sense as, um, as it kind of tied into the overarching crossover, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and and Oliver's fate. So really it was just him kind of marching towards his death where we were hoping, naively some of us, (laughs) you know, they might've saved him or something but unfortunately that wasn't the case but i mean i will say the final season did offer a lot of solid performances especially from steven amell Mm -hmm. i think i think he does i mean watching it from the very beginning he he's grown as an actor and you see a lot of the emotional depth that he gives oliver in all of these scenes especially in the final season as he's saying goodbye to like all these People who have made a very large impact on his life, mm. um, and you know the way that he was able to get that chance to see his kids and things like that um, for the last time—it it was one of those things where it became the highlight of the season. His his strong emotional um, performances.
0: Absolutely, um, I, I totally. I think you're right. Um, I say that to people all the time when uh I talk about characters who have, people who have um improved leaps and bounds as an actor over the course of a show. Um, probably the number one person that comes to mind is Stephen Amell. Uh, Absolutely. Just, just because he brought so much, there's so much depth that he comes to after, um, you know, comes into his own in terms of being a deep character after a while. And, I, I don't think that he was bad before because I don't know if you've ever seen his uh, his one-off appearance on New Girl.
1: I did. Uh,
0: <laughs> and I thought he was fantastic in New Girl. Um, <laughs> but
1: <laughs> He did the comedy well.
0: Yes. Um, so, you know, I didn't love the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle sequel, but that's a, that's a podcast for another time. Um, <laughs> so I didn't think he was a bad actor before, but I thought that it's it just there's this stoicism to Oliver when he first started, and then you kind of see him soften as as the years go by. And there's probably no um it, it, it worked really well. You know, I, I could see that pay off in the final season, that emotional journey that he's been on.
1: Absolutely.
0: Um, and one of my favorite things is, uh, you know, of course, this is going to get into spoilery territory, but so I hope anybody who hasn't watched it yet is not listening to this. Um, but really that his, some of the the biggest things that he felt like were his fault, like the death of his mother and the death of Tommy um, yeah. were kind of remedied when he had the chance to recreate recreate the world.
1: Um, yeah. which Which was... Absolutely. It was it was great and kind of beautiful to see Oliver be able to kind of leave his mark even though he's he's not there.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Uh but it did bring up a lot of questions. At least I I, I understand from like the large picture standpoint where where this may have been going. Mm-hmm. But my thing with the ending was that, okay, this new entire, you know, this world has been recreated, essentially, and Oliver's made it so that, you know, he's he's righted the wrongs he's felt he's made, um, mm-hmm. but what does, where does that leave the story that we had for, like, the last eight years? Like, where are the losses and gains? Where are, like... How did those relationships dynamics change? How did, how did this, how did his story change? Like, Mm -hmm. so it it was, it was a very interesting, um, it was a very interesting ending and I can understand at least, at least in my group of friends that have watched it, Mm -hmm. it was a somewhat polarizing, kind of confusing thing, Mm -hmm. um, to kind of consider because, I mean, we grew up we 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 watched we watched him grow and then all of a sudden it's entirely possible that parts of his stories parts of his story and growth kind of disappear as a result
0: yeah yeah and i I think that's um it's definitely felt like to me that they were going for more of an emotional payoff than an intellectual one um So it was not like, you know, I'm sure they knew they were going to get people going, hey, how does this work? Or, you know, um, what does this mean? And I think it's it was more about, definitely not that those aren't valid because they definitely are. Um, but it was definitely more about, you know, oh, we get to see these people and have these characters one last time before Arrow goes off the air. And that is, this is just a way to do that. Um, and so I also think that... Um, it seems like so. I've been watching, um, I don't watch Supergirl anymore, but I watch The Flash still pretty religiously, and um, that seems like there are like random changes, but most of what's affected the main characters, the people who were tangentially involved with Crisis, their experiences didn't change, um, and so. So I don't know, you know, it's not like I'm pretending to have an answer to that. Cause I don't, yeah. um, and I, I'm not Mark Guggenheim, so I never will. But, um, you know, that, that's just kind of what my thinking was, is that he, he put it back the best way he could. And sometimes there are, you know, there are always changes and consequences and, you know, uh, on the flash Cisco went and like documented a bunch of the changes from, from uh, previous Earth-1 to current Earth-Prime, uh, and that was just a way for them to bring more metahumans onto the show.
1: Um, that's interesting. I've kind of fallen off of most of the, the Arrowverse shows. Mm. I've pretty much, and, and even at this point, I'm a little behind on on Legends, which is my like last remaining Arrowverse show. Yeah. So I mean, that's interesting to see. Um, I know that there were mentions of of Renee um, on Legends recently. Yes. So I'm very interested to see what they're teasing coming up. And I mean, now seasons are kind of broken up weirdly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So. That's uh, that's gonna be weird uh, to just not get finales or, or whatever. Um, and I, you know, I don't know who knows this and who doesn't but I I write about Supernatural for Telltale and that's um, that's their production is essentially dried up currently uh, and it's their final season so they've got apparently they've got four episodes in the can but they haven't finished post because they haven't been able to and uh, they've got two more yet to shoot and and it's just like you know a lot of shows on ABC or whatever just like "Eh, just do it next year um, but Supernatural is kind of in a different situation, uh, so it's that all of that is really interesting to me, just how it's affected the shows, and how you know, shows are unexpectedly going on hiatus now. Um, yeah. But it's good for uh, for me when I want to catch up with something.
1: So, oh, naturally, no, it's actually it's taken me back to like the the writer strike of like oh eight yeah. or 09. when everything kind of abruptly ended. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and that's, um, hopefully there's not a writer's strike right after this, because no. uh, that would be really bad. Um, but, you know, so I'm confident that like Supernatural, they're at least going to finish. And yeah. then a lot of these shows, it's just a matter of, you know, when things get back to normal, they'll they'll shoot whatever, they'll finish whatever story they were going to finish, whether that's technically season six or season seven. Um, you know, I'm using air quotes, but you can't see me. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it's, but it's, it's a really interesting problem. Cause it's just, it kind of adds that like, um, gives people more time to, to question those inconsistencies and things too.
1: Oh no, absolutely. And TV fans are nothing if not very observant.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, that's true. Uh, <laughs> I don't know a more observant group. <laughs> um but I also don't know how people have time to like watch them over and over again and like point those things out. Cause I can, you know, I can barely keep up with the shows that I'm watching. Uh, but uh, yeah. Hey, you know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> so overall, um, with arrows final season, I was really happy with it just as a, as a fan, you know, I, uh, I caught up in the middle of season three. Um, so like my wife and I watched the first two seasons like they were nothing, and then um, right before season three started. So I've been following it week to week for a long time,
1: um,
0: and you know, so it's so I was personally felt pretty satisfied by that, um, you know, and I've never I've never had a criticism relationship with it other than to talk, you know, because I can't turn off my critic brain.
1: Yeah, um,
0: and so there's definitely ups and downs that I've experienced in the series, but I think they were even able to turn some of those downs into, you know, uh, graceful parts of their final season. So, um, you know, overall, I'm, I'm happy with how it turned out. Um, As an Arrow fan, I'm satisfied. Uh, I think there are definitely questions to continue to ask. Um, And especially because there's a larger Arrowverse out there. I don't feel like I have anything unanswered but um there's still like you know there's more characters that i would have liked to see like uh like walter and uh was
1: actually a piece about it this week yeah Um, i did see that yeah where he had wanted to but i think that there was some scheduling or something that it just couldn't be done but he would have he would have loved that
0: yeah and i I, I i'm sure that that a lot of things were like that too it's you know Crisis is the same way where you you have a wish list of people and you get who you can get. Yeah. Um, And so I'm just, I'm grateful that they were able to get, um, you know, Katrina Law and Susanna Thompson and Colin Donnell and just to have that group of of, um, legacies kind of fill in those, this guy died in season one, this guy died in season two. There was a cool way to include Slade. Um, So... You know, overall, I'm I'm pretty pleased, um, but you know, I I don't think so. Um, I guess that's leading me to a question: is so in terms of um, like final seasons and series finales, where do you put this one in comparison to other ones that you loved or hated?
1: Um, I mean. <laughs> See, when, when you when you start, to, when you get questions like that where you're like, okay, in, in the grand scheme of like seasons and series finales, like, where does this go? And then you forget every series and season finale in your entire life. Um, but like, a, a, in an isolated kind of thing, um, you know, the way that the story was written, the way, the fact that like he was just going to die, spoiler alert, um. Right. at the end of the crossover, um, and then, you know, launch into this whole thing. Um, It was a best-case scenario. I wasn't in love with it necessarily, but I did appreciate the, like, the nods to Oliver's past coming together, this, this kind of um, new kind of Earth, new kind of Star City, finally getting the, the, the respect that, I feel, was kind of always merited because yeah. of the ungrateful Star City citizens always <laughs> coming out, making him out to be some sort of criminal. Yeah. But, like, it finally understood he saved the city. He saved the universe, you know, kind of type deal. Um, so, and it gave us, it gave us some payoff on, on, on certain things. And I did appreciate that, um, I did have questions, um, but I've, I've already mentioned them. But the whole thing yeah. with like Diggle and the and the, the green oh green yeah yeah light coming at him, I was like, I see what you're doing. I'm very <laughs> excited. I need it to happen. Right. Um, but you know, I wouldn't. You know, I wouldn't be mad. Yeah, they that's as as a. Uh, I mean, they they even um. I feel like they kind of nodded to it at one point when they introduced Diggle's stepfather, Mm -hmm. maybe last season or season before. Yeah. He was like Commander Stewart, and I was like, okay. um, You know, the whole thing with, you know, I was like, okay, so Stewart right there, and his first name is John, and I was like, maybe in this new universe, you know, John Stewart, John Diggle Stewart, Um, but uh, yeah, no, I wouldn't be mad at that. but I, I did like
0: it. Yeah. I really
1: want Susanna Thompson coming back. It's always cool. oh yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Same here. Um, yeah, and there, the on the Diggle thing, there was another in Elseworlds. There was a, a one off reference to that too because uh, Flash from Earth ninety. Uh, yes. He said, "John, why aren't you wearing your ring?" Yes,
1: exactly. <laughs> and <laughs> and I, was like, I was
0: like, "On another Earth, John Diggle is Green Lantern." Um, <laughs> like
1: what just happened? David Ramsey is free now. Let's do
0: this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, David Ramsey so free that he was supposed to pe- appear at a convention in my area that was postponed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but hey, I'm not mad or anything. I've actually, I've already met David Ramsey uh, a couple of times. Once at a convention and once at San Diego Comic-Con, but not like in a convention kind of capacity. Nice guy.
1: Yes, he is. He is very nice. Yeah. I, I've met him in a convention capacity before. I've met I've met a bit of the cast before in conventions because you know mm. conventions. Yeah, um, they're all very nice people.
0: Yes, yeah. Everybody. I've only met uh, Stephen Amell and, and David Ramsey, uh, but but they were both very nice to me, so I have no complaints. Um, yeah. So the only other thing I was going to ask you about is this this uh, Green Arrow and the Canaries spinoff thing. So. Okay. You know, so the the way that I've that I've interpreted my Twitter feed, there are three groups of people. There are the people who didn't even watch it, skipped over it, there are people who watched it and really want it to happen, and then there are people who watched it and because they watched it, do not want it to happen. <laughs> Where do you fall?
1: Um, well, I watched it because I, I, I wrote a review. <laughs> right (laughs) um i if you've read my review um it um i was not a fan it was not my cup of tea yeah um but i can understand why people like like would want it to happen Mm -hmm. my thing is um this isn't kind of the first backdoor pilot they've done before they did another one last season yeah seven when they introduced Star City 2040 and they had like the next generation of Team Arrow essentially. Right. With, um, with Mia, with William, with Connor and Zoe. I mm-hmm. really, really enjoyed that. Um, as for the Green Arrow and the Canaries, um, it just, it, it felt weird. It felt like shoehorning two, two aspects of the story. that. Probably doesn't necessarily come together cohesively. It, it yeah. was a very bumpy hour.
0: Yes. Yeah. Um. Sorry. Continue.
1: Oh no! You can. You can. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. Um. So yeah, my my only thing was, it, what took me out of it was. I mean, I, I watched it. I, I read your review, but it's been a minute, so. Uh,
1: yeah.
0: Um. Plus, you know, the listeners didn't necessarily read your review.
1: Yeah.
0: So that, maybe, maybe they will after they hear you on here. Um, <laughs> so I watched it, and i i I like, um, I like Cat McNamara. I think she's got what it takes to lead a series like that. Absolutely. Um, and there are a lot of good characters that they created in Star City, twenty forty. Even though it's all changed now, um, you know, John Diggle Jr., Connor Hawk. Like those, they're compelling characters.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and I, I'm, I was, I'm a little bit interested to find out, you know, like um, what's the deal with JJ when he remembers his past life or whatever. Um, but that, that's the only thing that I remember being like really intrigued by. And the rest of it just bothered me because it's 2040. Why don't Laurel Lance and Dinah Drake look any different? And then Dinah was like, "Well, I just woke up here after the cry, or after whatever." And I was like, "Yeah, but then in the crisis finale, you were back in, like, or like at Oliver's funeral, you were back. Like, what did you hitch ride with the legends, or like, what what happened? I don't understand."
1: Yeah, there uh, were there were a lot of holes.
0: <laughs> so that bothered me the most is that is that uh, they didn't even try to. Well, first of all, I wondered for a long time when they announced it. Okay. Where's it going to be set? Because if it's starring Katie Cassidy and Juliana Harkavy, like it's in 2040, really? And that, the whole, my whole issue with the other like back to our piloty episode they did that was all set in 2040, the one that you mentioned. Yeah. My only issue with it was if they try to put Colton Haynes and Juliana Harkavy and Rick Gonzalez on this show, I don't buy them as aged up. Like, it, yeah. it, it doesn't, if they are regular characters on this show, like, it's, they're going to need to cast older actors. And it, it just didn't, like, it didn't, I couldn't believe that. I couldn't suspend my disbelief to believe that they were older and could still fight like they could fight, right? Yeah. Because um, they'd be in, like, their, their 50s. <laughs> um, and I, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, uh, like, I just don't, um, <laughs> I, I don't believe that. Yeah. So think, that, that was my biggest issue with it is just that it, it took me completely out of it that Katie Cassidy and Julianna Harkavy were not even, they didn't even try to age them up.
1: It, it was bothersome and I had questions about that. And then it, I guess the placement of a backdoor pilot as a penultimate episode also <laughs> kind of hurts me. Yeah. Because you're okay so you're building on the the tragedy of your main character dying he's mm. dead the world's just forever changed and then you come here and it's kind of like a like a breakneck kind of motion where it's just like here you go we are put in a completely different you know reality than the one that you've watched over the last 8 years and you have to make of it in forty five minutes so that you get attached to these people mm-hmm. these new versions of these people, and then you'll get the series finale it was, yeah. it was it was a bit bothersome and i mean i i didn't really like the dynamic it felt like it was like a it felt like the way that it was set up was that like basically it would be like two a two on one situation where Mia would const I mean it felt like she was being admonished fairly regularly. And you know, she was kind of given her her choice of remembering her past life was taken away from her. Mm-hmm. And she she was expected to just get with the the entire you know, the entire project at the at the get go. It was weird. It was I don't know. It it it's just I still struggle with it, obviously too yeah. much. Later. Um, yeah, but it just felt strange. It, it, if maybe the focus was more on like, I don't. Well, the thing is that they're in a new reality, so I just I don't know how they would make this work.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I think they, you know, I think you're absolutely right about the placement. It was horrible placement. Um, but I was like. Perhaps the reason that they did that after the crisis just was so that they could rewrite it however they wanted. Um, that they true. they weren't like, oh, well, we have um, eight seasons of Arrow Canon and six seasons of Flash Canon and five seasons of Supergirl Canon and five seasons of Legends Canon that we have to adhere to here. Yeah. Um. So with with it falling after Crisis, the only and I was like, and I still maybe I just don't maybe it was the backdoor pilot thing that bothered me more than anything um, because, you know, you could easily just accomplish that with a regular old pilot. But so that it just, it throws me off because um, it was right after this emotional end to the crisis. And then it's like, Oh yeah. What about this new show that doesn't have Stephen Amell in it and doesn't have most of the characters you loved and only has these characters that you kind of know about from the last couple of years
1: um <laughs> exactly like there was there was a tie and a, like for example the Bertinelli angle was really weird to me yeah because I was like we haven't seen Helena Bertinelli in what like six years yep and now you want me to form like I was excited because of the Ellie name but then mm. that's where the excitement ended because I was like why is why are they saving well i mean obviously they save her because she was being kidnapped but like what was the emotional impetus behind it like i don't know i was i was trying to fill in a lot of holes that i ended up with a headache at the end of that episode because i was like i'm I'm doing a lot of work here internally to try to like make things work and it was really really frustrating yeah
0: it, it it created some mental gymnastics uh just to try to to make sense of it and i i just think like i don't have any issue with i think that uh julianne harkavy and katie cassidy and kat mcnamara are all fine choices to be on your show um but it's just like i just do it as a regular pilot like and and i'm sure that their biggest reason for doing it the way they were doing it is either actor contracts or um just that they they want to try to to uh I'm trying to think of the right word to uh, steal some of Arrow, siphon Arrow's fans. They're trying to, anybody who might be interested in this, you know, come watch it because they're afraid that people will stop watching Arrow and then not start watching the spinoff. And unfortunately I think they may have done that anyway.
1: Yeah. If if my timeline mm-hmm. was any indication from that night, they definitely did <laughs> that. Yeah there's there, yeah no it was it was just too much and then you know i think that was like the first episode coming back from the hiatus mm-hmm. no no it, wait it well technically technically yes because i think that it was arrow before the hiatus and then
0: yeah well yeah. like the the um arrow part of crisis was at the end and so, like that came—that was in January.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, but it's been a minute, so I, I can't—I don't—I can't remember either. I can't
1: <laughs> but it was just like—it was a bit of emotional whiplash. Yeah. That we're kind of still. I mean, we knew it was coming because we all read the, the episode previews, and we went oh, yeah. look at the stills. But it's still—it's still strange it's a whole like fan mourning situation that it is. It's just it was placement. The placement yeah. does no favors. And I understand <laughs> I mean the way you explain it, it does make sense right. for them to logically position it after all of the canon can be is, is very malleable. Mm. But but it just didn't work.
0: Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Um the last thing that I'm gonna say about it is that if they get their spinoff, and Supernatural didn't get theirs, I'm gonna be mad. Like
1: I was gonna ask you about because because I know that at one point, um, it was it was it was about the 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 female led um spinoff for the Hunters, correct?
0: Yes. Yeah, so okay. they've tried to spin off a couple different times. And and I'll give them the first time they tried it was called Bloodlines and it was awful. Like yeah. just not good at all. Uh, but so a couple years ago they do um Wayward Sisters, right? So yeah. it's kind of a a take on the every year in the season finale they play, carry on my wayward son.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um and so these are not sons, they're they're daughters, but they're they're kind of like a sisterhood, so Anyway, so this would have starred um, Kim Rhodes uh, from. She's been on. I know her from Supernatural, but also from The Sweet Life of Zach and Cody. Yes. And, yes! <laughs> um, and Brianna Buckmaster, who's been on Supernatural, and then so here's here's what bothers me about it the most. It was first of all, it was good. Like it, it was so good that they in the final season of Supernatural they wrapped up their storyline there because. They had to, because it was good. Um, And so, like, to take a final season episode and wrap the storyline from Wayward Sisters makes it seem important. Absolutely. Um, And it was was good. Like, it wasn't perfect, but it was good. And so they have several female characters. A couple of them are new, and a couple of them have been introduced um, in Supernatural. And one of them is Claire Novak, played by Catherine Newton, And if you don't know her, eventually you will. Um, Because she is a phenomenal young actress. She was on Big Little Lies. She was in Detective Pikachu. Um, She's just, she's really starting to make a name for herself.
1: Oh, was she the journalist in Detective Pikachu? Yes. Okay. Okay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, So she is um, really, really, really talented actress and like every time i see her in something i'm like wow she's got it um just you know when you watch her you just know that she's yeah. gonna be big um so i think re- claire novak is she's the daughter of the person who castiel inhabits his body now but and that's a long convoluted especially if people don't watch supernatural like it's so hard to explain um, <laughs> but it's like her dad is dead but her but castiel looks just like him um, so she's got this kind of you know this dark backstory, right? Yeah. And um, it was she just nailed every beat, like she was really on it. Um, and she's been on the show before and since, um, but she probably won't make a final season appearance unless there's a radical like shift in filming schedules because everything's canceled. Um, yeah. So, anyway, I just I saw her on Supernatural and I was like, this girl has it. Like she is talented. And the CW recognized none of that. Passes on the spinoff. And now the girl, she's, you know, like three steps away from big time. Yeah. And I was like, CW could have locked her down into a contract and to done this spinoff for, for seven years. And she would have been like easily their most marketable star. Yeah. But anyway, so I'm mad about it because they could have had, an actress that good in continue the supernatural universe and they were just like nah it's not about Sam and Dean so nobody cares uh
1: <laughs> but that's the thing i feel like i i guess i feel like for supernatural that would have worked because i yeah. mean i i know supernatural fans they are deep deep into it like oh yeah you you create any kind of you know Spinoff or, or kind of like, um, sh- like shooting story, they'll they'll follow because they are very very devoted to things that, that are connected to Sam and Dean, not necessarily just the Winchester brothers.
0: Right, and and what they all of the public comments say, they talked about what makes Supernatural special, and it's Sam and Dean, and I don't dispute that, um, but I think they are they're underestimating their fans for sure. Yeah. Um, because especially after, you know, different Vampire spin spinoffs and um, so so there's a spinoff of almost every show that they have. <laughs>
1: That's <They're on> their, <laughs> they, their second spinoff, right? Cause...
0: Yeah. Um, well, you know, they're, they're, they're talking about doing an Arrow spinoff and they, you know, really all of the other shows spun off from Arrow.
1: Yeah. And so mm-hmm. like,
0: it's, it's basically a spinoff network now. It is. It really is. They've got a pilot for a hundred spinoff. And, um, like, I mean, I can't, I can't think of a show right now that I haven't read about a spinoff for at some point on the CW, except maybe iZombie. And that's been gone for a year. I know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I don't know. The whole thing just bothers me because they're, they're just trying to cash in on arrows fans and, um it doesn't really it doesn't really feel like they've earned that. Um, especially because literally every other era of our show is an arrow spinoff.
1: <laughs> Very true. This this I don't know. Okay. So my final thought on this. I'm sorry. It's a lot of what drew me to Arrow in the first place was this the core trio. It was the dynamic between Stephen Amell, Emily Bett Ricards, and David Ramsey. Like mm-hmm. When they came together in 114, like all those years ago, yeah. it was like lightning in a bottle. There's something about those three's chemistry and like their stories and mm-hmm. the way that they played Oliver, Diggle, and Felicity that just had me going. Yes, I will follow the story through the through to the end. Mm-hmm. Ups and downs. I'm not sure. I mean, obviously, I mean it was a stumble. I stumbled over the first episode or two when I first started Arrow catching up because I did catch up and I I started live watching mid-season two. Yeah. So I, I can give this spin-off, this backdoor pilot some leeway because obviously there was something that didn't necessarily connect the first time, but there was still something there that made me go, okay, I'm going to keep going. For the backdoor pilot, there wasn't anything necessarily there. There was there was a tiny, tiny thing that I was like, okay, maybe if if they, I, I don't know. There, there was something. If there was something more captivating there, I probably would have gone yes. I would like to see more. Right. And if course correct, or if they do whatever, that's awesome. But I didn't see that.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's. I think that they might have. I mean, anytime you have talented actresses and experienced storytellers like there's a chance that it'll turn into something good um so like there's i would i would remain open-minded to to watching it um but as of right now like i've i've kind of cut the fat in terms of my arrow arrowverse viewing uh i still watch the flash and legends and i think i'm probably gonna watch uh superman and lois um but other than that you know, I'm just not excited.
1: Yes, yeah, I've definitely, I've definitely cut down on my Arrowverse viewing as well. So, like, I'm down. As I said, I'm down to Legends, mm-hmm. and that's because I, I love those those goofy, <laughs> like heroes that just go out and do whatever, and it's just absolute madness for 45 minutes a week. Yep. With heart. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> madness I so, uh, yeah. So, you know, final thoughts there, just, you know, I thought that final season overall was pretty good. It, it dampened, dampened a little by the spinoff. Not sure that I'm going to watch that, but overall I feel like I'm, I don't know that I could ask for much more as a long time arrow fan.
1: That's fair. That's fair. <sighs>
0: Okay, so um, I think I'm going to get rolling to our next segment, which is called Infinite Playlist. Um, and this is just a way for us to tell the world what we're loving right now, why, and how to get in on it. Um, okay. So, simple enough question. Brianna, what are you loving right now?
1: Okay, what I'm loving right now is uh, I'm actually going through um, a comfort period drama phase. <laughs> uh, I've always turned... For some reason period dramas are always a source of comfort for me
0: yeah, so
1: yeah. um you know this year they came out with a new adaptation for a, a jane austen novel called emma mm-hmm. um it's one of her like most popular most beloved characters and things like that they came out with a new version quirkier version and i was going to watch it but then you know uh the world happened So then, um, I was able to rent it on Amazon Prime, um, and I watched it, and I absolutely fell in love with it. It was, it was just perfect. The, the, the cast was so, the cast was fantastic. The, the, the way that the shots were composed were, like, gorgeous. It was beautiful English countryside in every shot, and the way that they composed it, the lighting, the dry humor, the editing, everything—it was you have you have Bill Nye, you have um, Miranda Hart, who is a hilarious British comedian. Mm-hmm. You have Johnny Flynn and Anya Taylor Joy, who was on. Oh, she was in a she was in a thriller before this, um, but they just inhabited their characters so so nicely. And I'm, I'm very, I'm a very big loyalist when it comes to certain adaptations. So like I have a certain benchmark, every mm-hmm. new adaptation has to meet. And um, so, you know, you have Bill Nye who wasn't who necessarily known for his, his comedy. He played the comedy very well. I loved mm-hmm. it. Um, also, it was, they tout it in all female um, creative team. So you have you have Autumn Wild um directing, and um, Eleanor Catton, who wrote the screenplay for mm-hmm. the adaptation. So it was it was really great, aesthetically very pleasing. It was just it was fun.
0: Awesome. And um, so that's this is one of the movies. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. That was that was put on on demand early because yep. of the movie theater shutting down. Correct.
1: Absolutely. It was yeah. They put it out. I think like. Three months early. Okay. So they broke the theatrical window, which is very big deal.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm. I just uh, was talking to my wife and scheduling a family movie night for. um, We're recording this in at the very, very end of March, and on April third onward comes to Disney Plus because they they released it early um, because of you know the world. Um, (laughs) So. uh, I, I was like, they released it on, on demand like a week ago. And I was just like, well, I've got Disney plus and I paid for three years. So I'm, I'm not, <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to wait. Uh, I'm not paying to own it. Uh, so, so I'm really excited about th- I mean, there, there are as sad as it is, um, and as horrible as everything is, that's happening is um, probably the biggest benefit is that stuff like this is getting dropped early. Yeah and so uh that's awesome. I'm so glad. Uh so you said you bought it on Amazon Prime, right?
1: Yes. Uh it was a 48-hour rental. So okay. it it's not it's not like a Right. So it's not like onward or uh birds of prey which you can buy. Um right. it it's just straight up rental cuz I guess it was still too close to its release in theater. But yeah. you can get it on Prime, I believe iTunes, uh anywhere that you can Purchase media, so like Google Play, things like
0: that. Okay, awesome. So uh, yeah, that's great. Like uh, um, especially people really need comfort right now, so that's awesome. Um, so f- for me, uh, I'm kind of gonna use this. I've got quite a few podcasts scheduled over the next few weeks, um, so I'm gonna try to to even them out, and I'm gonna go over some of the stuff that I've been watching on my quarantine. So I um, I've been working from home for this is my third week that i've started working from home um and i'm actually was going to be um i'm i'm going to be moved home permanently anyway oh okay so um it was just a couple of months head start basically uh and so like i'll have to go back into the office at some point to get some of my equipment before our lease is up yeah um but it was they basically said we're not gonna pay this money for this lease because people aren't coming in to see you, so you're just gonna work from home from now on. Uh, and I, I'm fine with that. So it's just kind of an early, like um, my wife wasn't feeling well, so I came home to take care of them and help them and work at the same time. Yeah. So three weeks ago, or two weeks ago from the day that we're recording this, um, so I came home to start working from home and I, I usually work with some kind of TV show on in the background. Um, or, you know, I watch TV and then just stop it and answer work emails. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's how it really works. So, um, all that said, that was a wordy way to start this. Um, prime had put some shows uh, that are normally on the add on channels on the main prime, just to kind of get some people excited about the add on channels. And so one of the shows they put on there was kidding. Um, and this is a, have you heard of Kidding?
1: Yes. Yes, yes, I have. Okay,
0: so it's with Jim Carrey. And um, it also stars Judy Greer, uh, Frank Langella. Um, Tara Lipinski has an arc in there, which is actually oh, wow. pretty cool. Um, <laughs> so the, there's quite a few familiar faces. Um, there's a cameo from from Conan O'Brien. Uh, just a lot of cool stuff. And it's really... Um, it's it's dark in a way and it's i'd say the overall tone of the series is like is melancholy um and so you know for a it's the opposite of of what you mentioned Uh, (laughs) it's, it's not really comforting at all um but it's very well executed and there's some there's some really funny moments and some really just like um I, I definitely cried in one of the episodes just because I'm much more emotional now that I'm a parent. Um, oh,
1: I can imagine that changes things.
0: It it really does. I cried in maybe five or six things ever before I became a parent. And now I do it all the time. Um, so, um, you know, if you're looking for something positive to comfort you during the trying times, this isn't it. Um, <laughs> but if you're looking for something really, really interesting Well executed, um, this is it. And uh, I only watched the first season because that was what was free on Prime, and there is a second season. Um, And so I think that after I get through, clear my queue a little more, I will probably go back and do a free trial of Showtime and knock it out. But uh, it's Jim Carrey's really great in it. There's lots of good actors in it. Um, There's some catchy music in it, and it's really well done. So that's what I have to say about that.
1: I mean, I've I've heard wonderful things about it, but then I've also seen the trailer, and you know, you kind of look at something and you go, "Am I in the right mind frame to like, to like watch this?" Right. That was one of those where I was just like, "I'll put it away for, for later."
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, I mean, yeah,
1: that sounds amazing.
0: Yeah, and- I I kind of logged on to my I I have a Fire TV in my uh, third bedroom. And so it was right on there on the Amazon home screen. Was free on Prime until three thirty one. So I was like, "Okay, I kind of wanted to watch this anyway." Uh, <laughs> so,
1: I mean, that was it. Worked out perfectly.
0: Yeah. Um, so I took full advantage. Um, yeah. So if you want to watch that, it's it's uh, on the Showtime app and on the Showtime add-on for Amazon Prime. I think. Showtime extended their free trial during the the public health crisis.
1: It would be very smart. I'm just, I'm waiting for all of these, like, different networks and, and streamers to go, you know, here's a free month. Right. DC Universe, I'm waiting for yours.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually, um, with DC Universe, I haven't watched these yet. I haven't watched anything on DC Universe yet. But, I, have, um,
1: I haven't. I haven't made my, my membership yet, but I really want to watch Harley Quinn.
0: Oh yeah, that looks so good. Um, I, I actually, I was at the store and I walked past the DVDs and the second season of Titans was there. And so I was like, I wonder what they're charging for this on Amazon. So I looked <laughs> and the first season of Titans and the first season of Doom Patrol were on Blu-ray, $10 each. So I just bought them. That's um, wild. <laughs> so now I've, I can uh, take a methodical approach to whether i Want to get DC Universe or not. But maybe they'll extend their free trial. Um, and I think those shows are going to be on HBO Max too, and I'm already an HBO subscriber. So
1: I'm very interested to see how that'll work, like in the future, in terms yeah. of the universe's future when it comes to HBO Max launching.
0: Right. Yeah. Same here. Um, yeah. So that will. Um, that'll take us into our final segment Uh, grab those peanuts and Cracker Jacks. It's time for the segment called take me out to the ball game, which is an attempt to see every baseball movie ever made. So um, before on this podcast, we've covered the likes of field of dreams and the Sandlot, which are a couple of my favorites. Um, This one is lesser known because I never heard of it until Brianna suggested it. Um, But it's called undrafted and undrafted came out in 2016 written and directed by uh, Joe Mazzello, who mostly has acting credits. Uh, he was in the Pacific. Uh, he was on Justified. He was in Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, and then the cast is, is kind of eclectic, but there's a lot of actors that I know in it. Um, so Billy Cardell from Mike and Molly and Bob Hart's uh Michael Bunin, who plays Jeff on Superstore. Uh, Matt Bush from the Goldbergs. He's in the JTP uh, Matt Barr was on Sleepy Hollow, and he was on that uh, that military show on CW that I can't think of right now. Um, <laughs> um, Tyler Hecklin, who is the Arrow versus Superman, because I mentioned Superman and Lois earlier. Um, Chase Crawford from The Boys. Aaron Tveit, who I don't know if I'm saying that right or not.
1: Aaron Tveit, um, yeah.
0: Tveit, okay. So, uh, sorry. Go ahead.
1: Big. Big Broadway
0: fan, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's, I understand he's mostly on Broadway, but he played Danny Zuko on Grease Live, right? He
1: did, he did. Um, he was on Gossip Girl for a bit.
0: Yeah, I, I've never watched Gossip Girl, but I don't think I'm the target demographic.
1: Um, <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm a, I'm a 30-year-old white straight male. Um, <laughs> so, you know, not that I'm opposed to watching it, just that I'm, I'm I, I, you shouldn't be surprised that it didn't, Grab me right away. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so there's also some smaller roles played by uh, Michael Fishman from the Connors. Um, Jim Belushi. Uh, I was a big fan of According to Jim back in the day. Yes. Um, and Jim Belushi is one of my favorite uh, bit parts on Jingle All the Way, which is one of my favorite Christmas movies of all time. Um, and... Casey Bond plays a small part in this movie, and this is only—I only saved this one for last because uh, Casey Bond and I share an alma mater. Um, we both oh. went to Lipscomb University in Nashville, Tennessee, and I've met him. Um, I don't know if we're still Facebook friends or not, but at one time we were. Um, and so <laughs> I've met him and and networked with him a little bit. And he was in—I um, met him right after he was in Moneyball. He played Chad Bradford in Moneyball. Um. So, And he was actually a professional baseball player So he had um, He had briefly played for the San Francisco Giants um, Oh that's,
1: cr- that's crazy, I didn't know that
0: Yeah, so um, he's probably the only <laughs> So he's definitely the only character in this movie That actually played baseball <laughs> um, I mean I can tell that a lot of the other ones have not um that's okay uh yeah so so um to start what made what drew you to this movie what made you suggest this movie
1: okay so i love baseball i grew up on baseball like that's that's the sport that i chose to follow my entire life mm-hmm. um and so i was actually i actually randomly came upon it maybe like a year ago Uh, It was either on Hulu or Prime that I found it and I just I sat there and watched it and I was just like I mean it was funny and it was it was Mm -hmm. the cast was like quirky and and I recognized some of the actors from things I had watched before Mm -hmm. and um and I just I just kind of really liked it because it was just a bunch of guys who were just you know, they have this dream of baseball and this ideal of baseball. And then, you know, they're all like coming around their friend. And I don't know, it was, it was, it was it's a different aspect and a different angle of baseball than I usually see in things like, you know, the sand line, field of the dreams, a league of their own things like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There, it was, um, it was really interesting. I was, I wasn't sure what to think of it at first, but I warmed to it really quickly um i think that the guy who's the the player coach i can't remember his name off the top of my head he was putting me off at first (laughs) just because i didn't understand him yet but um he you know it's it's it turned out to be really sweet and um just and i i got invested you know i'm i'm a big baseball fan i was kind of that was one of the ways that um one of the first ways I was able to connect with my dad growing up uh, yeah. was over, is over baseball and that's that's still one of the ways that we primarily connect um, so I'm the whole reason I'm doing this segment is because I'm a huge baseball fan and I also love movies and television so I want to combine those two interests yeah um so and and it's really interesting that it's like a kind of a semi pro situation um it's not it's just kind of like a you know, there are people who have played professionally or semi-professionally on those teams and they're playing in this, this uh, other league. And I just think that's really interesting because um, you don't hear about that a lot. You hear about the major leagues and college ball and high school ball. And then there's occasionally, like you'll hear about an independent team. Yeah. But this is just a really, like a, an angle of the baseball world that isn't often explored. Exactly. Um, and I really appreciated the Camaraderie and the comfort level of between the the players on this team, and um, you know, it's just it, it it really grew on me over the course of the film. Um, and after I got over, hey, I know that guy from this movie. Hey, I know that guy from this show. Um, it was just really, it was, it made me laugh. Uh, it made me well up a little bit. Like there, it has, uh, it has everything.
1: Yeah. It was it was a, a baseball movie that had a lot of heart into it because it wasn't I don't know it was just like the purity of the sport which is something that you know sometimes gets lost as we watch it even now like you know as the seasons continue and things right. change the way the league is changing it's just it, purity like a pure love for the sport mm-hmm. and the fact that like I, I don't know it was just the way that they all their dynamic and things like they they were like a bunch of brothers it was just like they were fighting one minute and then they were you know knighting in the next and um it was just i mean solid solid fun acting
0: yeah well i i also really appreciated that they were that they um there's a lot of baseball movies that play on the emotion of it by, uh, you know, oh, they, they are behind, but they got to walk exactly when they need it and a stolen base exactly when they need it and a home run yeah. exactly when they need it. And this, um, as it, so I, I um, about an hour and a half from Cincinnati and I grew up a big Cincinnati Reds fan. Oh, okay. So with that, um, Joey Votto, one of my favorites, um, and he has a very methodical approach to baseball. And so these characters, several of these characters had that same approach They, you know, um, Maz in particular um, was—he was methodical. He put in the work, and uh, he didn't—he didn't just rely on raw talent to get him in there. He was—he was working on it every day. He had the—he understood the game in his head just as much as he could play it well.
1: Yeah, I mean, they even make a comment about like raw talent or or whatever uh, at one point where um, where where one of the characters kind of tries to like play it off, where mm-hmm. it's just like you know if you were if you were this this and that, and they were just naming like certain right. steps, you'd call it raw talent or whatever.
0: Right nationalities. If he was a different nationality, he would be a shoe in. He would have been drafted or signed as an yeah. international free agent or whatever.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and I think there's there's something to that um but and it's also just there's so many references to um these guys are playing this game still because they love it you know these um guys who are college age or or above or below or whatever
1: like some of them
0: yeah some of them very much above Um, they're you know they're doing it because they love it he says it's the game man like i can't give it up um (laughs) and that's just um the romanticism of baseball is not dead and I hope to keep it alive. And, um, this movie really speaks to that. It just spoke to my, my love of the game and my love of, um, that camaraderie that came when I briefly played on the bench for my sixth grade team. Uh, you know, they would bring me into bunt mostly, but, uh, <laughs> you know, um, I don't know. It's just. It seems like it captures the the essence of why people love baseball.
1: It it was it it was just great. It was great to watch, and it was also fun. Um, you know, cast wise, uh, because I mean, I first saw Tyler Hecklin's first performance on Seventh Heaven. <laughs> yeah. Back when CW was the WB. Oh yeah. And he played he played the baseball player, and then he did Everybody Wants Some. And you know he was also a college baseball player, so it was it was fun watching him play like different eras of baseball. I was like, okay, so you just go in with it.
0: Yeah, yeah, and um, I was like, that's that's how I knew him too. Actually, was from Seventh Heaven. I said he was, he's the Arrow versus Superman. But when they announced he was going to be the Arrow versus Superman, I was like, hey, that's Martin from Seventh Heaven. Um, yes. <laughs> so I'm I'm right there with you, but. uh yeah and i really like I, I i had i spent half the movie wondering where i knew chase crawford from before i finally looked it up and um the boys is you know a very different um superhero very, kind of thing but it's it's pretty great
1: very um, very different he was actually because he was also on uh, on gossip girls so i was like okay um nate archibald and i did watch the boys so i was just like it was very funny when i first watched the movie he was still nate archibald to me right but then when i rewatched it like maybe like two or three weeks ago because again aside from period dramas sporting sports movies are also my uh my comforts Uh, um i was like okay so this is just weird seeing you know (laughs) yeah (laughs) um
0: yeah so I, i really you know i uh I laughed, I cried, I, I, I specifically laughed um, at Jeff from Superstore being a, like a tough cop because that's, oh, yes. that's not Jeff from Superstore at all. Um, I and I also, do you watch the Goldbergs? Have you ever seen the Goldbergs?
1: I have seen a few episodes of the Goldberg, Goldbergs.
0: Okay, so, so um, Matt Bush is on the Goldbergs in a recurring capacity. There's uh, Barry Goldberg has this posse of friends called the JTP. And he's, yeah, he's on there. Yeah. Um and <laughs> his scene where he where where Tyler Heckland's character was like, you have to strike out. And so the scene <laughs> the scene where he strikes out on purpose is hilarious.
1: I'm just curious. <laughs> Everybody's so confused.
0: <laughs> and he, as soon as he strikes out, he's like, Yeah. And yes. <laughs> oh my gosh it was so funny uh and i was just i was just really glad that they were using him in that capacity because of my love for the goldbergs and the jtb yeah.
1: oh no absolutely it was hilarious and then any reaction billy gardell had <laughs> as the entire- <laughs> anything, oh yeah especially to like um i can't remember his name now um to the coaches uh the player coaches um reaction like he's it was just, it was so over the top and so angry. And I, I, I was just like, this is hilarious. It was just an immediate, like comedic reaction. Like he's like, are you okay? Like you need to take something for that.
0: And just, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, Matt Barr played the, the villain so well. And, uh, you know, that's just kind of those, I know those guys from, from church softball, you know, they, they care about, winning more than anything else um and uh, you know so that, that kind of person really exists so that like even though i love to hate that character in this specific instance like it, it really rung true for me
1: oh, okay.
0: um, and then uh, yeah i just i think the cast is really well done i really liked uh, probably my only complaint about the cast as a whole is just that jim belushi didn't get to be more comedic like because he's he's really got a talent there and just yeah. didn't use it but
1: uh. i thought it was interesting because it was a little more dr- like it, he played a more dramatic aspect than i'm used to mm. from jim belushi yeah but um but you know given the context i get it like you know his son's disappointment was his and like see it was, it was great i really liked his performance in it yeah you know he, did, he didn't do a lot in it but I also like that aspect in that most of the story was told in that dugout.
0: Yes. Yeah. I actually, until they started getting out on the field later in the, um, later in the movie, I wondered if it was originally supposed to be like a play because, uh, because of how often they were in the dugout.
1: That's interesting. I didn't think that. Um, I, 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 that never clicked in my mind, but that could have entirely been possible.
0: Yeah. yeah. And I, 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 I kind of have a theater background. So like I'm, I'm a nerd and I look for that stuff, um, but it it just, I noticed um, as trying to watch it with a critical eye that they were, they spent a lot of time in the dugout at the first part of it. And so like, it was a long time before the game started and they were in the dugout. And then even during the game, they were mostly not for a long time. Yeah. Uh, and then they started the baseball clips got more frequent as the movie went along. And so I wonder if it was like, he started writing a play and then scrapped it for a movie or something like that. Um
1: which entirely possible, but yeah, no, I, um, I, I, I enjoyed it. i enjoy I enjoyed both it's just, it's just such a good movie. it was, it was a fun heartwarming movie,
0: yeah, yeah, and i I really appreciated you drawing my attention to it because i was I was kind of in a foul mood when I watched it um the day before we recorded this, and um it just kind of lifted my spirits a little. It was um it's good. So and I was I was pleasantly surprised by that. So uh, thank I'm you. I'm
1: glad I could bring more baseball movies to other <laughs> lives. I will, I every every once in a while I'm just like, there's this one GIF of this movie, um, and I will always tweet it out. I'm just like this movie makes me feel so much better after watching. <laughs> <Like, laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, baseball movies are probably the closest I have to like comfort movies. Um.
1: I totally get it.
0: So, and you know, I've, I've got a lot that I've seen before, but a lot that are still, you know, yet to be explored. So I'm kind of excited about that possibility. And you know, anytime you want to talk baseball movies, you come on back here. Absolutely. Um, do you have any other thoughts? Uh, anything you want to share with everybody before we go?
1: Yeah, I mean, this was fun. Good. Thank you for having me on.
0: Yeah, no problem at all. Um, well, I'm sure that um, if you enjoyed yourself, I'd be happy to do it again. Um, but this is uh, this has been Nick's Infinite Playlist, and good night, everybody.